Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Gordon S., Cindy W., Menachem S., and Jackie A. Returning to the program today is Murray Hill. Murray is the Managing Director and CEO of Elevate Uranium, and Namibia, an Australia-focused uranium exploration and development company, advancing a number of projects in their portfolio across both Namibia and Australia. The company is listed on the Australian Securities Exchange under the symbol EL8 and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol ELVUF. Murray, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Andrew. It's good to be here. Absolutely. It's been a while since we've chatted. I think it's been over two years here. Well, how about just for the new audience, uh, just to kind of refresh everybody here on, on our side, uh, why don't you give us just a quick overview of the company? Yeah, as you say, Reyes existed uh, based in Perth in Western Australia. We've got uh, exploration assets in Namibia uh, and also Australia. And uh, our primary focus right now is Namibia because there's a significant upside potential from our exploration efforts. Uh, over the last two years, we've discovered the copies deposit. Uh, we've discovered Hirabeb, uh, Namib 4, uh, and uh, we hold the largest land position for nuclear fuels in the country. So we're actively exploring. We're building our exploration team in country. Uh, we've got the finances to do so, and uh, you know we've had a bit of success, so we're expecting success to continue. Uh, we've just last month announced our uh, maiden resource on the copies project. Uh, we've, um, uh, as we wrote to the Ministry of Mines and Energy in Namibia, it's been three years since uh, the license was granted. In that three years, we've achieved a, um, uh, the rare feat of achieving uh, a maiden resource on that project. So that's pretty exciting for us. And in Australia, we've got uh, we've got a number of assets. We're just reviewing a lot of those now. We've got some exploration planned. Um, the thing about Australia is it takes a little bit longer to get approvals to do things. Um, so whereas in Namibia, once you've got your tenement, uh, you can just pretty much go and drill. Whereas in Australia, you've got to put a, a mine management plan together and uh, all that sort of thing. So it's certainly uh, a, a lot of good assets in Australia. Uh, we've done a fair bit of work on them over the time, mostly benchtop uh, work. But we're certainly getting on the ground now and uh, looking to do some drilling later this year. But certainly, uh, you know, drilling full time in Namibia and, and uh, getting some good results out of that. How about the uh, the capital structure? Why don't we update there first, Murray? Uh, talk about the shares outstanding, where we are on cash and also, if you will, the major shareholders on the roster. Yeah, look, we've got about 260 million shares on issue, so quite a low number for an ASX uh, listed exploration company. Um, and uh, we've got 16 million in the, in the bank. Um, some recent raisings really were um, conversion of options to full shares. Uh, we've had quite a few shares out as options out there. Now we're down to about, uh, I think, 12 million options, uh, mostly held by management. Um, so, yeah, in pretty good position from a cash perspective. Um, since we last spoke, uh, you know, and being on the OTC has helped, but uh, we uh, have two uh, uranium funds uh, as our sort of foremost major shareholders now, uh, just under 5% each. So we're getting a lot of interest from the ETFs. Uh, we've got a few um, instos on board. We did a capital raising back in um, in November last year. We raised uh, 11 and a half million, and a lot of instos come on board during that period of time. So our register looks a little bit different uh, than it did, you know, a couple of years ago when we spoke. Uh, you know, the ETS and, and instos on board, so looking pretty good there. 
Very well. And how about financing needs over the next, say, let's call it six, eight months? Any need to raise uh, capital? Uh, no need to raise capital, Andrew. We've got enough money uh, in the bank uh, and uh, you know, we don't need to at this point in time. Murray, where do you think the cash balance will carry you here based on what you guys plan to do? Do you guys see you know, getting through to this time next year? Uh, what do you see on runway? Yeah, we're, look, we're, looking, um, we're looking at bringing extra rigs in, but uh, it's, trying to source them is uh, a little bit difficult and sourcing people now. The whole world is short of, um, of, uh, of services and uh, people is uh, particularly difficult in Australia and Namibia. They're just, um, you know, it's a mining boom and, um, and they're hard to get hold of. So you have to pay a bit more to get them if you can get them. Uh, so once we, um, once we get extra rigs and extra people, uh, we'll choose through the money a bit quicker, but we don't anticipate raising uh, in the next 12 to 18 months. However, you never say never. Uh, and, uh, you know, if the uranium uh, price keeps going, uh, our shock price keeps going up, there's a lot of interest in us now. Um, you know, you never know what might happen. Yeah, market conditions and uh, maybe company-specific news will help bring that into where it might make sense to do it. So broadly on Namibia for a moment, uh, overall a pretty strong mining jurisdiction. Obviously, if you can handle the government correctly, you do a lot better. There have been some difficulties with some, you know, recently, uh, probably one on the copper side, for example, Deep South Resources having some permitting troubles, lots of different dynamics here. But what is your take on Namibia? And in your time there, Murray, you've been there quite a while and you've had past experience uh, well before Elevate Uranium. But has it become more difficult to work there? Is it the same? You know, what are your thoughts on Namibia here? Well, Namibia, from the time that, I mean, I, I consulted to Extract Resources, um, you know, 15 years ago, and I've been with um, Elevate for 10 years. If you're doing things by the book, oh, we don't have a problem. So, you know, you've, you go through the process of applying for tenements, uh, you, you have your expenditure commitments, um, you know, you're having to drop ground uh, each time you do a renewal. Uh, but I've, I've not experienced any problems, and uh, we try to have an open relationship with the Ministry of Mines and Energy. Uh, we have a general manager that spends a bit of time making sure that they understand what we're doing. Um, you know, we've got the largest land position for nuclear fuels in the country. So uh, a very supportive government uh, that I see. You know, we, and when you consider Namibia itself, Rossing have been operating there since 19, sorry, since 1976. Yeah, so 46 years of continuous operation. So there's, there's over two generations of Namibians that are used to uranium mining and understand it. So it's, um, Culturally, it's pretty good, and um, you know we we don't have a problem with the government. Some of the issues that have been uh, where people are trying to do things when they shouldn't be doing it. You know, we've uh, known a few people that tried to to work on their tenements without environmental clearance. Well, that's that's a prerequisite of getting a tenement granted. Now, you they give you a they give you an intention to grant, then they give you twelve months to go and get environmental clearance to go and work on that. So we uh, we uh, you know make sure we do all that um, by the book, and um, you know. What is it? Seventy-five percent of our tenements are inside national parks, uh, and we don't have a problem there. So, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I think it's a pretty good jurisdiction to be operating it, um, and I think a few of our peers will say the same, um, and uh, and a supportive government and a supportive people. Well, let's cover the Namibia projects. Uh, talk about what the priority project is at this point uh, for the company, and what are the plans there. Because we've got so many projects in Namibia, um, it's hard to find uh, your favourite project. Um, so what we're doing is, rather than moving down a path of production quickly, we're we're doing a lot of exploration um, over the next two years. Hopefully, we'll 
have a number of projects that we can work out which is our favourite and which will come into development first. So we're, um, we've got this drill rig working full time. We've uh, drilled on a couple of projects, um, three projects in the last six months, and we'll drill on another one uh, this week. Um, and then we'll probably come back to copies. So we announced a 20 million pound resource, but what we did, uh, we also found that um, there's a lot of uranium mineralization beneath the Paleo Channel and alongside the Paleo Channel that we haven't drilled into uh, sufficiently. And we've also uh, found a new discovery uh, a couple of kilometers away from the current uh, resource uh, outside the Paleo Channel. So we've got, um, we've got a lot of work to do to potentially expand the copies resource. Uh, and also then understanding these other projects we've got as to their um, as to their potential for resources. Uh, so that's why we're looking for a second rig, uh, and then we'll work out what our favourites are. But at the moment, uh, it's spreading the rig over a number of projects, trying to understand what we've got, um, increase the number of mineralised envelopes we've got that we can then drill to, to get uh, uh, mineral resource estimates. And, and then, you know, in a couple of years' time, work out what uh, what we want to do with these projects uh, and, how, and which one we bring into production first. We don't want to get into race to be first into production. Um, there's a lot of our peers that said when the uranium price gets to 65 bucks a pound, that's our trigger. Well, the uranium price got to 64 and nobody moved, even even companies that are in care and maintenance. So that sort of tells you that, um, you know, uh, that the, probably the, probably the, um, the price uh, the trigger price for these to get into production is probably a little bit higher now because of the cost of uh, cost of a lot of materials, uh, cost of people has gone up. So that means that the uranium price has got to go higher than that 65 to trigger them. Uh, we know we've got a process, the upgrade um, a beneficiation process we developed in-house and patented that can lower the cost base by normally 50% for capital and operating. So that's in our back pocket. We'll pull that out uh, on these projects when we need to. But really the emphasis now in Namibia is understanding uh, what we've got in each tenement, uh, sort of defining mineralised envelopes and then defining resources and then work out which one is going to be our favourite project to get into production. We see a significant upside potential in exploration ahead of trying to jump into, you know, to be first into production. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there is a lot of opportunities, especially in Namibia and the portfolio, you know, continues to opportunistically grow and uh, some good credit there, which which will carry um, on to, I guess, the next subject. And I want to come back to upgrade, which would be moving over to Australia. Uh, you've been able to assemble a fairly good land package in Australia, a uh, number of projects. And, you know, back to your point about the 65 mark on uranium, definitely uh, it says a lot of things. A lot of it goes unsaid at the same time, which I don't need to mention on here, but definitely it, uh, it tells a narrative as to what might be going on but talk about Australia because you've added uh, quite a bit there as well. It's also become a focus point of the company. Talk about maybe a project or two there that you want to work hard on and what the plan is over, say, the next uh, 12 months with those projects. Yeah, so we have 48 million pound um, of, of uh, uranium in Australia. Uh, a couple of projects in the Northern Territory, uh, uh, Angela projects, 31 million pound at 1300 ppm, youth so good grade. Uh, we're just understanding now the potential to expand that resource. So we're doing some geochemistry and some geo technical geophysical work, understand uh, whether we can expand that resource. Uh, it's, in, it's in the inferred status uh, category, so uh, we can't do a study on it. Well, we can do a study, but we can't announce uh, the financial metrics to ASX. Uh, so we're sort of working out, you know, whether we uh, start drilling to get indicated, uh, whether we drill to expand the resource, uh, where we're we going. So we're spending some time understanding that. 
and then the next one is the Minerva project. Um, also, it's north of Alice Springs, whereas uh, as um, Angela's south of Alice Springs, it's a project with, um, I think it was uh, a dozen holes with 10,000 ppm plus intersections. So there's a huge potential uh, for high, very high grade in that. Uh, so we're also doing the same thing. So geochem, geotech, uh, geophysical work, trying to understand uh, whether expansion potential there. Uh, and uh, we're planning a drill program in that later this year. We're just getting all that. Uh, our sort of permitting in place to do so. So on the Angela project, uh, just going back to that, we the impediment to that being developed years ago when it was held by a couple of the, the larger companies was that it got very high acid consumption. So there's a lot of a lot of calcite in the ore consuming acid in the order of 100 to 120 kilos per tonne of acid, which is an enormous amount of acid, somewhere in the order of 40 to $48 a tonne just for acid uh, to operating costs. So we applied our uh, upgrade smarts. We've done four tests which is a very small number of tests and we managed to reduce the acid consumption by over 80 percent on that project so that's a sort of benefit that uh, a little bit of work and upgrade uh, can do for that project obviously with time in the next study phase we'll actually do a lot more work on the on the metallurgy to try and improve the rejection of um, acid consumer and lower the cost base further but certainly uh, the uh, upgrade process makes a huge difference to that project um, so yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, geological work to do on these, uh, and a little bit of metallurgy has already shown that we can add significant value to it. Let's talk about the upgrade process here, and then we'll come back to Australia for a moment. But uh, talk about the process you guys hold. Um, any updates on progress there, where we might see it used commercially first? Uh, if you can uh, maybe just give us a little bit of flavor. I know you can't speak to a lot of that, but give us the status on upgrade and what the plan would be going forward. So we spent considerable time um, quite a few years ago developing upgrade uh, with the technical steering committee of um, you know experts and uh, we've um, you know got the process we've bench scale tested it we know that the scalability is very good because you know one of the unit operations that we use uh, is the same diameter in the lab as it is in the pilot plant as it would be in the uh, full-scale plant just that the number of, of units increases all the unit operations you can find on a base metal a gold or, or a mineral sands projects so they're used um, all through the industry um, we've we've got the process what we're doing now is we're expanding our asset base by exploration uh, we know that upgrade will work on the Maranica project uh, we're expecting it to work on all the other paleo channel deposits in Namibia we've tested uh, six um, I think it's about six deposits in Namibia one of them was ours the other five are our peers and upgrade works very well on all of them so we're expecting that it will work on all of our um, assets that we're exploring on at the moment. Uh, we know that it um, adds value to projects like Angela. So really, when we get to the stage, Andrew, of, of looking at, okay, which project is going to develop first, what will come into that mix is how upgrade can influence the cost base. Uh, so it will be used uh, on the first project. It's just a matter of what the first project is when we develop it. No, I appreciate that. Looking forward to seeing that advance and getting that into some kind of commercial use, Marie. Talk about Australia for a moment from a regulatory environment. Obviously, South Australia, Northern Territory is the uh, the key place to be. If you had to pick, which one in Australia would you go to? And secondly, if you had to pick, where would you, would you rather work in Australia or in Namibia? <laughs> Interesting question, Andrew. Um, should have warned me on this one. I think Northern Territory is probably uh, the best place to be uh, in, in Australia. Um, South Australia is also pretty good. Uh, but certainly I think Northern Territory um, is the one. And the fact that we've got the bulk of our projects in the NT, uh, I think is good for us. 
when you're trying to compare Namibia to Australia. As I said before, you've got approvals process to go through in Australia that um, you know uh, that is a little bit of red tape uh, and slows everything down. When you know you've got your environment of clearance uh, on a granted tenement in Namibia, and you can just put a drill rig on it without having to do anything else, um, then you know that can happen within days. Whereas in Australia, you've got to through, go through a process which could take six months. So certainly, from a, a you know moving quickly perspective. Uh, Namibia is a lot easier to operate in in that, in that respect. Um, so, look, and our biggest bang for a buck is in Namibia because there's so much exploration potential. So that's why our emphasis right now is in Namibia, uh, but we continue to work on our Australian assets. But, yeah. Australia makes some sense, and uh, they're two really good jurisdictions if you can put them together. Uh, that makes it even better in my view. Maybe just cover off a little bit more here. I know that uh, we, you talked a little bit of strategy early on, and that expiration is going to be important in project advancement. But you know, talk broad strategy, Murray. Where do you see this company in you know two, three, four years, and what would be your preferred exit? Well, I think in a couple of years' time, we're going to have uh, probably you know four or five uh, resource estimates in Namibia um, on different projects. Uh, we're going to have uh, expansion of um, resources in Australia and more than likely some studies on those demonstrating that these uh, are pretty good assets. Um, all, in all reality, uh, we will work towards um, work towards production, uh, but I don't think we'll get there because I think someone will take us out in the meantime. Uh, with, the, with the current situation around the world with the, the need for uranium, uh, the nuclear fleets uh, are being expanded. There's a lot of turnaround in policy on nuclear, uh, where you know quite a few are going to be closed down and now being expanded, uh, extended in their life, uh, and there's more planning in place. Uh, the reliance on you know Russia has woken the EU up to the fact that they need to find a better, uh, reliable source of energy, um, and the climate change argument is pushing people to go down the path of uh, low carbon emissions. So if you want reliable, base load, low carbon, low carbon uh, energy source um, and lowest cost energy source, then you're looking at nuclear. Uh, once people can get their minds around the fact that there's been a lot of scare tactics around accidents and the, the, the one that I think is uh, the most concerning is that we talk about Fukushima as a nuclear disaster. I just want to remind uh, listeners that Fukushima was an earthquake it was caused a tidal wave which killed roughly 15,000 people. No one died from radiation poisoning at the uh, nuclear reactor. So how does a 15,000 uh, people lost from a natural disaster turn into a nuclear disaster? Well, that's just the media uh, scaring us. So once people can get over that um, and realise that, you know, countries like France producing 70% of their energy from energy from nuclear, uh, for the last what thirty years, have never had a nuclear incident. You know, it, it really puts things into perspective. So I think I just need to get out of that. Once, once you know that is um, the likes of Diablo Canyon in the in California, it looks like it might be extended in life. Uh, you know, we're going to see the need for more uranium to feed a bigger nuclear fleet. So who's going to be um, desperate to get that uranium? So all these end users, I think, will be looking for more uranium, and uh, rather than uh, just buying it on market, I think they'll be looking for uranium companies to buy, and I think uh, you know we'll probably be one of those companies because we'll by then we'll as I say I think in a couple of years time we'll have 
quite a few um, uh, resources in Namibia and expansions in Australia that um, are attractive to buyers and with a process, um, a beneficiation process that lowers the cost base, um, I think that will be very attractive. Well, for potential investors who are on the sidelines listening, market cap of Elevate Uranium stands at about 130 million Australian dollars. What would you say to them about considering the company at this stage and at current levels? Well, we actually looked at this and thought, you know, um, like the likes of um, Peloton, I think it were 2.4 billion Australian um, about four months ago, five months ago, and some of our peers are a billion, and we've gone. We've, we anticipate uh, being in a position that we'll have more assets than them. Uh, we've got a, a, a cost lowering uh, process. So realistically, we thought, well, why can't we have a, a market cap of, uh, you know, in the order of a billion or so? So I tend to think that if we continue to going down the path and being successful in exploration, adding value uh, with our upgrade process, uh, I think we've got a significant upside potential in us. Uh, and given that the Iranian price, you know, as I said before, 65 bucks a pound, no one moved. Um, you know, it's got to go more than that. It's got to go 75 plus. And I think it's, it's and because you've got to incentivize new production uh, to meet the, the demand we've got now and the future demand. I think we're going to see Iranian price closer to 100 uh, and even more. And, uh, you know, with that price, uh, you know, our, our market capitalization is going to be significantly higher than it is. So the two things, one thing we can't control is your own price. It's going to push our, our market cap up. And the other thing we can control is our expiration and what we're doing in-house. Uh, that's also going to push our, us up. So I think that's what differentiates us from our peers. A lot of our peers are just sitting there waiting for the Iranian price to go up. Well, we also are, but we're in the, in the meantime, we're working hard to add value to the company. So we see significant upside, Andrew, I think. Interesting comments. Thanks for that. And Marie, the best way for investors to reach out to the company? Yeah, look, um, it's through our website. Uh, you know, there's always contact details there. Uh, I always answer every email that comes through or phone calls. So I welcome people. Uh, we have a newsletter that goes out. Uh, and, uh, you know, on that's my contact details. Uh, but certainly, um, you know, uh, through the website, uh, contact me and, uh, and I'll get back to you. I'm happy to talk to anybody that wants to ask questions. Murray, it's great to chat again. Thank you for taking the time to update us. Uh, keep up the progress. Thank you, Andrew. It's uh, good to chat to you again.